of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotel's family of 22 brands has over 7,400 locations and the perfect hotel for any traveler you want to be. Like a Cambria Hotel, serving up locally inspired craft cocktails for all my folks who maybe want to meet up and talk about Mad Royals. Check into a Radisson Hotel with flexible workspaces for you strivers who listen during business travel. Or a Comfort Hotel with free hot breakfast, family-friendly pools, and big spacious rooms for the parents who listen with their kids and need a little retreat. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any of you when you book direct at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. This episode of Stuff You Missed in History Class is brought to you by Get Your Guide. If you're planning a trip and you are not sure what you want to do when you get there, Get Your Guide offers the best way to connect with your destination. You can make memories from all over the globe with these tours that are locally vetted and expertly curated. All kinds of variety based on whatever it is that you're into. So if it's food or nature or sports, you can immerse yourself in any of these things on your next vacation. So just as some examples, there's a New York City deli food tour or whitewater rafting on the Grand Canyon. This is not just in the United States either. There is a chocolate and patisserie tour of Paris or a pasta making class in Rome. All of this sounds so awesome. You can discover and book your next unforgettable travel experience at getyourguide.com. Again, that is getyourguide.com. Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class, a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Holly Fry. And I'm Tracy V. Wilson. Uh, It's a history mystery day. Yay. These are fun. Uh, This is a thing that some people use as like a Halloween episode. That doesn't feel right to me. I'll talk about why. Uh, In 1944, though, a small town in Illinois was gripped with fear that there was a person spraying a toxic gas into their homes as they slept. And while there have been several explanations of what exactly was going on, there is not any one explanation that's recognized or accepted as the truth. So it will stay a mystery. Uh, But the mystery perpetrator, if there was one, got a lot of nicknames in the press, including the Gas Fiend, the Thin Man of Mattoon, the Mad Phantom, the Mad Gasser, the Anesthetist Prowler, and the Screwball Chemist, among others. And the thing that's really fascinating about this entire thing to me is that it is a story that plays out in a very condensed timeline. It all happened over the course of just 10 days. So... To tell this story, we're mostly going to pull apart the news coverage of it and then look at the various explanations that were given both at the time and in more recent history. 
So Mattoon, Illinois, was a relatively small community in 1944. It had a population of about 18,000 people. It had been founded in 1855 as a railroad community at the place where Illinois Central and the Terre Haute and Alton Railroads crossed. It was named for railroad executive William B. Mattoon. And as it developed in the 19th and early 20th centuries, it continued to be an important shipping center. During the Second World War, the town also became an oil center. There were drilling fields opening just outside of the town. As we mentioned in the intro, in the fall of 1944, the town of Mattoon, Illinois, was the site of a series of very strange reports. Over the course of a couple of weeks that September, multiple households claimed that they had awakened in the night to an odd odor described by some as sickly sweet, and then they experienced some odd symptoms like nausea and limb numbness. The first report was on the front page of the Mattoon Journal Gazette on September 2nd, 1944, under the headline, Anesthetic Prowler on the Loose. It stated, quote, a prowler who used some kind of anesthetic or gas to knock out his victims was on the loose in Mattoon Friday night. This first article featured the account of Aileen Kearney, who was at home with her daughter, Dorothy Ellen, and other family members while her husband, Bert, was at work driving a taxi. Aline's statement to the paper was this, quote, It was shortly after 11 o'clock Friday night when I went to bed, taking with me my daughter, Dorothy. My sister, Mrs. Edgar Reedy, was in the living room of the home, and my daughter, Carol, too, and Mrs. Reedy's son, Roger, too, were in another part of the house. I first noticed a sickening, sweet odor in the bedroom, but at the time, I thought it might be from flowers outside the window. However, the odor grew stronger, and I began to feel a paralysis of my legs and lower body. I grew frightened and screamed for Martha, Mrs. Reedy. When Martha Reedy got into the room, she also noticed the odor, and it seemed to come from outside through an open window. Reedy called Earl Robinson, the next-door neighbor, and Earl called police. Both Robinson and police searched the Kearney's property. They found nothing. Bert Kearney was contacted. He immediately went home. Mr. Kearney got there around 12.30 a.m., and as he pulled up, he saw, quote, a man at the window wearing dark clothes and a tight-fitting cap. Bert Kearney chased this man who evaded him, and then he called the police, but the police could not find anyone matching the description when they searched that neighborhood. The Kearneys and the Reedies left the house and stayed with another relative, Aileen Kearney's symptoms subsided pretty quickly. Within 30 minutes of the first onset, their daughter Dorothy was totally fine by the morning. That first report offered up an assortment of theories about what had happened exactly and what the motive may have been for someone to target the Kearney home. The guesses as to the nature of the gas included it possibly being chloroform or ether, and the police thought it was probably sprayed into the room, quote, in a fine mist. The paper also stated that Mrs. Kearney and Mrs. Reedy had been counting, quote, considerable sums of money that evening in a location in the house which could be seen from the street. I don't know about you, but that seemed really odd to me, but it was offered as a possible motive. But it turned out the Kearney home was not actually the first one to have experienced this odd smell accompanied by temporary limb paralysis. The Kearneys were just the first ones who went to the press. 
On September 5th, the Journal Gazette ran a story titled, Anesthetic Prowler Covers City. This opened with, quote, the scope of the activities of Mattoon's anesthetic prowler ranges across the entire city, it was disclosed today, as four more cases, including one several months old, were brought to light. This account listed as the newly accounted for victims, Urban Rafe and his family, and Lissa's home address of 1817 Grant Avenue, Mrs. George Ryder and her two children, Joe and Anne Marie, and a woman and children who lived near the Ryders, whose names were withheld. It also mentions Mrs. Olive Brown and her daughter, Miss Chrissy, who had a similar experience several months earlier. The night before the Kearney home smelled the mystery smell, the Rafes had a very similar scenario play out at their home. According to the newspaper, quote, Mr. Rafe said today he and his wife were made sick by the fumes which apparently poured through a bedroom window at their home. He said he awoke about three o'clock in the morning and felt ill and as if he were paralyzed. This article goes on to quote Urban Rafe directly, saying, quote, there was a peculiar heavy odor, and I at first thought it was gas. I asked my wife if she had left the gas stove turned on, but she hadn't. We both had the same feeling of paralysis and were ill for approximately one and a half hours. Persons visiting us who slept in another part of the house got none of the fumes and were not affected in any way. Mrs. Ryder and her family were apparently affected the same night as the Kearney home reported awakening to this sickening sweet smell that temporarily impacted their mobility. The story, as it was pieced together by the paper, was that after the perpetrator had been scared away from the Kearney house, he went to the Ryder home. Mrs. Ryder noticed the smell in the night, and when her husband, who worked nights, got home in the morning, she told him she had smelled something that did not smell like chloroform, but which had made her lightheaded. It's not established why she would know what chloroform smelled like. The third home in that article, the one that was not disclosed by name in the write-up, reported more severe reactions. When the woman of the house was awakened by the smell, she discovered that her children were, quote, ill and vomiting. Olive Brown told the paper that when she experienced the smell and its effects, she didn't tell anyone because, quote, it seemed so fantastic. But when she saw the other reports that were so similar to hers, she shared that she and her daughter, while sleeping in separate rooms, had almost identical stories to that of Aileen Kearney. The police had been putting together a theory based on the Kearney incident when the other victims came forward, and that, along with two sightings of prowlers, according to the police, that all changed the case. Two days later, the Times-Tribune of Scranton, Pennsylvania, ran a short piece that said that the, quote, anesthetic prowler who sprays a sickeningly sweet gas through the screens of bedroom windows was believed by police to have fled the excited community of 18,000. The authorities came to that conclusion, at least according to the paper, because they had searched the town and had, quote, failed to reveal a trace of the lone suspect. That article also mentions that the Prowler had not entered any homes and that there was no solid theory on motive. We'll pause here for a sponsor break, and when we come back, we'll talk about another article that came out the same day but painted a very different picture. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Annabay. 
Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands in over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com where travels come true. article that we talked about before the break is wildly different in tone from another that appeared on the same day, September 7th, in the Chicago Tribune. That second article was titled, Intensify Hunt for Paralysis Gas Prowler, Mattoon Orders Police on 24-Hour Watch. Why was the reporting so different? Uh, It's unclear, but it seems like the first story was filed before a new development in the case that took place on September 6th, because that night, a Mattoon couple, Carl and Beulah Cordes, found a strange cloth on their porch. Presumably, not thinking it could be related to the gas spray that had been in the news, Mrs. Cordes picked up the rag and sniffed it. 
What actually happened to her when she did this is reported with varying degrees of severity depending on which paper you read. In the Evening World Herald of Omaha, Nebraska, it was stated that Mrs. Cortez, quote, suffered burns about the lips and throat when she sniffed a rag that she found on her porch. The Chicago Tribune gave more details, stating, quote, Cortez reported to police that he and his wife returned to their homes last night about 10 o'clock and entered the house by the back door. Mrs. Cortez opened the front door and noticed a large white cloth lying on the porch. She smelled the cloth and at once became violently ill. Her lips and face became swollen and inflamed, and she was unable to speak. This condition persisted for two hours. There are also accounts that say she was hospitalized, but not all of them say that, so uh, unclear. So regardless of the severity of Beulah Cordes's symptoms, there still was no sign of an actual person who may have left this cloth behind. But Carl and Beulah Cordes did find two other things, either on the porch or close to it on the lawn. There was a skeleton key and an empty lipstick tube. Reports suggested that the perpetrator had, quote, dropped these articles in flight. Once the Cordes home became part of the story, the Mattoon police asked the Illinois Department of Public Safety for help with the case. Um, I have to admit that I always wonder if a random bird or something had not dropped those items. <laughs> like the presumption that someone dropped it while fleeing yeah. is just that. It's a presumption and it's reported as though this is, must be what happened. It's the that's only explanation. Couple, that's a weird pair of items for a person to just have <laughs> yeah. to drop in flight. Yes. And as things played out and more and more reports were made, people around the country and even around the world in some cases became more and more fascinated with this story. And people in Mattoon started to get more and more scared. On Friday, September 8th, a Long Beach, California paper, The Independent, reported that, quote, insomnia in Mattoon tonight was easily understandable. The paper described how the town had gone into a total state of lockdown, mentioning that, quote, an open first-floor bedroom window was harder to find than a pair of nylons. Just in case you need a refresher, that quip was referencing the fact that because of the war, all nylon was allocated for things like parachutes, and people who would normally wear nylons had to go without. Residents of Mattoon, though, were so frightened about this whole thing that they started banding together in patrol groups. No one stayed home alone, and groups of friends worked out arrangements to all stay together in each other's homes at night. And articles appeared in the Times-Herald of Port Huron, Michigan, on September 9th, titled, Madman of Mattoon, Two More Are Victims of Phantom Prowler. This particular article really makes clear how scared and frustrated people were starting to feel. It mentions that one of the recent victims who chose to remain unnamed publicly was a school principal and a woman, so it seems like it would have been pretty easy to figure out who that was for members of the community. But the story transitions to say that the high school laboratory in town was missing a box of chemicals and that police were trying to trace it to figure out where it went. Heads up that the quote that I'm about to read villainizes mental illness, but it shows that the public was starting to see the perpetrator almost as a caricature. This article read, quote, school officials said a student might have taken the chemicals or they might be in the possession of a former teacher. Authorities believe that anesthetic is being produced by an insane person with a knowledge of chemistry, perhaps in a weird laboratory in his home. 
According to the Times-Herald, State's Attorney William Kidwell was urging the Office of Civilian Defense to, quote, organize a corps of 300 persons to patrol the streets after dark. On September 12th, the Palladium Item of Richmond, Indiana, ran a story about the gasser under the headline, Wave of Hysteria Hits Mattoon, Police Watch Amateur Chemist. So this sets up the idea that this entire thing was mass hysteria, but it also clearly states that there was a person of interest. It seems that the fact that there was a suspect has gotten lost or ignored over the years because many stories about the Mattoon gassings that have been written over the last eight decades make it seem like everyone was just kind of scratching their heads or even engaging in the thinking that some sort of supernatural being might be responsible. An unidentifiable phantom and no possible explanation or suspect, of course, is a lot more compelling. We're going to come back to that person of interest, but the idea that what was happening in Mattoon was a hoax or mass hysteria was starting to be mentioned more and more by news outlets. As Mattoon newspapers were starting to question just why the police had virtually no leads, others started to wonder if everyone in Mattoon was having a collective panic. On September 14th, Time Magazine featured the story of Mattoon's strange gas events, opening with, quote, The mad anesthetist of Mattoon, Illinois, population 17,500, is a tall, thin man who wears a black skull cap and carries an instrument not unlike a flit gun. He moves through the night as nimbly and secretly as a cat, squirting a Swedish gas through bedroom windows. His victims cough, awaken with burning throats, and find themselves successively afflicted with one, nausea, two, a temporary paralysis, and three, a desire to describe their experiences in the minutest detail. This latter result often enables them to overcome their symptoms with startling dispatch. As that opening paragraph suggests, this write-up finds the idea of a mad gasser running around a town pretty dubious. It notes that no one has seen this person. It mentions that, quote, Mattoon's 10 policemen who had been ignoring the arch-criminal now sallied forth at night seeking they knew not what and not finding it. Time even skewers the journalists from Chicago who made their way to Mattoon to write sensationalized articles about the terrifying attacker who remained so mysterious. As the idea of people simply being swept up in their own fear started to circulate more widely, the police were still getting pressure. And Police Chief C. Eugene Cole, along with Captain Harry Curtis of the State Highway Patrol, issued a statement two days before that Time article published, which for some people seemed like it kind of came out of left field. On September 13th, the Palladium item reported that Police Chief Cole said that the excitement that came from all the reports of a gasser on the loose was, quote, a mistake from beginning to end. Cole told the press that the culprit was no man skulking about the Mattoon streets, but a nearby plant, the Atlas Imperial Diesel Engine Company. According to Harry Curtis, the entire affair was, quote, a perfect example of the working of mass psychology in which rumors of a gas-spraying prowler spread by a community whispering campaign blossomed into mass hysteria. Any instances where people reported they had seen a prowler were dismissed simply as coincidence. The chemical that caused the issue was, according to Cole and Curtis, carbon tetrachloride, and that was something Atlas, they said, was using in its war work. 
carbon tetrachloride is not a naturally occurring chemical. It has to be manufactured. It's a clear liquid with a rapid rate of evaporation. It has a sweet smell and it is toxic, so much so that its use, which was normally in things like pesticide, refrigeration fluid, cleaning supplies, and fire extinguishers, was completely stopped by 1986. The symptoms of exposure include headaches, dizziness, sleepiness, nausea, and vomiting. These symptoms go away quickly if a person is only exposed for a short time. Long-term exposure has much more serious and damaging effects on the body, though. And there had been mention in the press before this that Captain Curtis in particular was working on trying to identify the chemical substance in play in the case. He told the press that his team was trying to get victims to identify the source of the smell they had experienced by smelling various chemicals, saying, quote, every person who reported a gas attack is being asked to submit to the odors of lewisets, mustard gas, methyl chloride, tear gas, and chloropicrin. Chloropicrin was the one that Curtis thought might be the culprit because it caused similar symptoms because it was pretty easy for an amateur chemist to make. The investigator who had been instrumental in this theory was Richard T. Piper, who was sent to Mattoon by the Illinois Criminal Investigation Laboratory. Piper collected the cloth from the Cortis's porch and made the determination of chloropicrin. Though we should mention, he was not a chemist. According to the Time Magazine article we mentioned earlier, Piper gave himself a crash course in chemistry and kind of made an educated guess. He told the press, quote, it is the strangest case I have ever encountered in many years of police work. There were chemists that were consulted, though, and they said it was probably a hoax. The FBI also got involved and tried to track the chemical. Part of the problem for investigators was that while most of them believed some of the attacks were real, there were also likely some that were false instances born out of fear and panic, so it became hard to differentiate between what authorities perceived to be the real crime scenes versus instances of hysteria. Because they took some calls less seriously than others, there had also been a growing concern among residents that the whole thing was being handled badly. But when it came to that announcement that it was a product of the Atlas plant, State's attorney, William Kidwell, immediately denounced that explanation. He told the press, quote, that is simply ridiculous. People working in the plant haven't been affected. Neither have people living in houses within 75 feet of it. I still think there were some authentic gas cases, which were the work of a prankster or someone with a more serious motive. And, of course, the Atlas Imperial Diesel Engine Company was not really pleased to suddenly be named in the press as the cause of people getting sick. The plant's works manager, W.J. Webster, also talked to the press and made it clear that the determination of Police Chief Cole and Captain Curtis didn't make any sense given the evidence. He said that Atlas didn't produce anything that anyone would have described as smelling sickly sweet or like gardenias and said, quote, after all, we have to live with any condition in our plant. We would be the first to notice and be affected by any fumes. In four years, not one person has been ill at the plant by gas fumes. He went on, quote, the only carbon tetrachloride we have is in the fire extinguishers at the plant. We do use another gas, tetrachloroethylene, to clean shell casings, but we never have had one single case of employees working with it being made ill. 
Webster called for the statement made by Cole and Curtis to be retracted as it was full of false information. The Atlas Imperial Diesel Engine Company also issued its own statement, echoing everything Webster had said, and also noted that an inspector from the State Department of Health had visited the plant just before these incidents began and stated after the authorities blamed the plant that, quote, there was no possibility of trichloroethylene vapors getting into the outside atmosphere in any amount of concentration that would even closely approximate a toxic condition. The company also stated that it believed the testing conducted by authorities used outdated methods and that the true nature of any chemical found on the Cortez rag would probably never be known. And really the most damning part of the Atlas statement, they made a point to say that no one from any of the involved authorities or investigative units had even ever come to the plant. Cole and Curtis did have to walk their statement back. Two weeks after the Cole and Curtis statement, Atlas Imperial Diesel Engine Company took out a full-page ad in the Mattoon Journal Gazette that definitely reads as though it is post-conflict PR. It's a statement about the company that's laid out with fancy graphic treatment. It reminds the citizens of Mattoon that the company has been working hard during the war and has made lasting friends. It reads in part, quote, This making of friends builds job security and business security for us all, security based on accomplishment. It goes on to say that the war production months have shown nothing but quality and concludes with, quote, We here in Mattoon can all face the future knowing we have won staunch friends. Coming up, we'll talk about the way the gassing panic in Mattoon seemed to die down almost as quickly as it sprang up. But first, we'll pause for a sponsor break. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. 
Planning your next trip? Choice Hotels has a stay for any traveler you want to be with 22 brands and over 7,400 locations. Whether you're a business traveler, a family road tripper, someone who wants to seek out history and maybe make your own, or just planning a quick getaway, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. Like a Cambria Hotel, where you can be a cocktail connoisseur and sip locally inspired craft beverages at downtown locations in the center of it all. This is a fun way to visit cities with a lot of history and a lot of fun in mind. Or a Radisson Hotel for all our productivity powerhouses out there. With flexible workspaces and on-site restaurants, you'll get the most out of your work trip. You'll get the coffee, the Wi-Fi, and the work done. And we can't forget about comfort hotels. Imagine you're a family road tripper, waking up in your big spacious room and then heading down to a free hot breakfast for the entire family, including waffles. So you'll be well-fed and ready for the day's adventure, even if that's just relaxing. After that, you're spending all afternoon relaxing by the pool. You deserve it. What are you waiting for? Join Choice Privileges and start earning points toward your next stay. Find a stay for any you. Book directly at choicehotels.com, where travels come true. statement issued by the Cole and Curtis team that we talked about earlier may have included incorrect information from a scientific perspective, but it did seem to have a calming effect on the town, just to have some kind of explanation. The Mattoon Journal-Gazette somewhat playfully reported on September 13th that police had gotten two calls in the night, one to deal with a noise that turned out to be a black cat that allegedly purred really loudly, and the other was a reported break-in that turned out to just be a doctor breaking into his own office after he accidentally left the keys inside. And though there weren't new attacks or reports of strange gas exposure, there was this lingering fear that someone had been committing these attacks and would never be caught. Today, a lot of people chalk this whole thing up to mass hysteria, It's even used in college classes as an example of how these kinds of things can happen. But there has also been renewed interest in that one suspect that was alluded to in reports of the day but never actually named. In 2003, a science teacher named Scott Maruna wrote a short book in which he dove into the case and determined that the mass hysteria claim was unfair because there was a lot of circumstantial evidence that pointed to a man named Farley Llewellyn. So there's a lot of conjecture about the motivations that Llewellyn may have had in this book and the interviews that Maruna conducted with people who lived in Mattoon during the 10 days of the Mad Gasser scare all include a whole lot of otherism. They all kind of make the Llewellyn family seem like odd outsiders with poor hygiene. A description of the family's grocery store business describes it as untidy and that there were a lot of cats hanging around in it. That sounds great to me. I wish my grocery store had kitties, but I know Mm -hmm. that's not an opinion shared by everyone. Um, Farley's father was known for his kindness and generosity. He was quite well respected. But Farley and his two sisters, Florence and Catherine, are definitely characterized as people no one seemed to like to be around. There's also a suggestion that comes out through these interviews that Farley, who lived in a trailer behind the family home where he constructed a chemistry lab for himself, might have been secretly homosexual. And this is kind of all laid out like this this whole pastiche of things that could have been wrong with someone in Mattoon in 1944. So it's an account that is heavily weighted with the kind of small-town gossip that is very dehumanizing to people. 
Apparently, Farley Llewellyn was a very good chemistry student when he attended the University of Illinois, and Maruna puts forth a theory that the gassings were Farley Llewellyn's attempt at revenge on a town that never embraced him. That's obviously a lot of theoretical conjecture. Farley is reportedly said to have died in a mental institution, and all of the other Llewellyns were deceased by the time this book was written, which is laid out as the reason that locals were finally comfortable talking about it. And this book offers interesting ideas. You know, it's all theories. But to be clear, the information about Farley Llewellyn is based on personal accounts given by people almost six decades after the events that they're discussing. And even in interviews about the book, Maruna has never been adamant that he had, like, cracked this case, but stated that this case remains so interesting because of all of the possible truths. So... It remains a history mystery. It does indeed. I like this one because it's very interesting. I have lots of feelings about it. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I have listener mail that has got a completely different subject from our... Our our listener, Jesse, who writes, I've been meaning to write this email for almost two years, but always think of it in the midst of listening to an episode, which means I'm walking and not in a good emailing situation. I started listening during the pandemic and tend to jump around and look for episodes that sound interesting for a given day. When I saw the title Paxton's Crystal Palace, I was immediately intrigued. I'm married to someone who loves to watch a variety of sports, including soccer. Over the years, I've seen the name of English Premier League team Crystal Palace scroll by on the ticker many times. I can't explain why, but every time I see it, I think of some tacky adult entertainment venue and always wondered why that is the team's name. I don't recall anymore, but I don't think you actually mentioned the football club in your episode, which prompted me to do some additional research on my own. After the building was relocated from Hyde Park to Sydenham Hall, renamed Crystal Palace, the company that owned it started an amateur football club in 1861. The professional club of the same name was formed in 1905. Could I have learned this years earlier with a quick and simple Google search? Absolutely. But I'm so glad I happened upon the episode and learned the backstory about the building myself. As one of our first post-COVID travel activities in 2021, we spent a short weekend in Chicago. In addition to an architecture walking tour, highly recommend, we visited the Art Institute of Chicago. We did not recreate the Ferris Bueller's Day Off experience, mentioned by Holly in an episode during a listener mail segment, but we did see the attached painting of the Crystal Palace. We ate lunch near Haymarket Square, which prompted a listen to the Haymarket Riot episode on our drive home. Apologies for this lengthy and somewhat rambling email, but I guess that's what happens when you have years worth of info to relate. My husband is always amazed by the random topics that come up where I will say, oh yeah, I learned about that on Stuff You Missed in History class. Thank you for making me seem so well-educated and for all the work you put into making learning about history enjoyable. Um, Jesse, I love this because it's, I mean, this is like the exciting part of history for me, right? Is when you realize like the connections of Mm -hmm. current real world things in your life (laughs) that are still touched by uh, things all the way back to history. Also, listen, I love any mention of the Art Institute of Chicago because I love that place. So if you are in Chicago, highly recommend. It's a really good museum. Um, I just love it. It's great. And I uh, I like I actually love the idea of like some really weird tacky place having a really good football team. So if that happens, fabulous. <laughs> Uh, if you would like to write to us, you can do so at historypodcast at iheartradio.com. You can also find us on social media as Missed in History. And if you haven't subscribed yet, easy as pie, you can do that on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Mm-hmm. 
Stuff You Missed in History Class is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was so cool. I think you're so talented. Social media is only positive with Zigazoo, the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. In Zigazoo, all community members are verified kids just like yours. And all content is fully human moderated. Try out Zigazoo this spring break. Download the Zigazoo app today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.